Okay, we're continuing this morning in our sermon series, A New Reality. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 5 through 10 and 16 through 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll read that in, uh, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, a lot of you know my passion and love for hockey. Uh, the last team I coached uh, years ago, I haven't coached now for about five years, the last team I coached was a high school team. And the first season I was coaching with them, I was an assistant coach, and we were playing a preseason game, and it got down to the last six seconds of the game, and we were tied four to four. We had a face-off in the other team's end, so we had a chance to maybe score a goal if we had a really good play that would work. And so we called a timeout, and I said to the head coach, I got this, and I grabbed a whiteboard, and I got the players on the ice I wanted, and I sketched out the play, and they're going to drop the puck, and it's going to go here, and it's going to go to there, and we're going to shoot, and we're going to score with about two seconds left to go on the clock. So we got it ready, and before they started the play, the other coach looked at me and said, you know these plays never work. And I said, well, this one's going to work. And they dropped the puck, and it went back to the right guy who passed it to the right guy who shot and scored a goal. And the other coach looked at me with this incredulous look on his face, like, I can't believe you actually pulled that off. And the reason he looked that way is because more often than not, those plays don't work. Uh, and it was kind of like mic drop moment for me. You know, I just kind of walked off into the sunset. Uh, but he had good reason to be skeptical. He had good reason to be suspicious that, for all my good intentions, you know, about, about 17, 18 things had to fall exactly into place the right way for that to be accomplished. Last week, we, we talked about uh, unity in the church, but we looked at it from the negative side of the equation. You know, what causes disunity and how do we begin to move away from disunity? And we talked about acknowledging uh, our sin. Uh, we talked about confessing that sin and we talked about repenting of that sin. And if you didn't get a chance to to uh, be with us last week, maybe watch that on our, on our website. But this morning, I want to turn the page and say, what's the positive opportunity that's in front of us? Sure, lots of things go wrong in a church, no question about it. Lots of things go wrong in my relationship with the Lord, uh, many of which are my own sinful doing. But is there a positive pathway we can take? And I believe that Paul turns the corner in this text and he moves us in a positive direction that allows godly unity to be created within a local congregation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, and then we'll skip down and do 16 through 23. Hear the word of God. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Then down to verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you, among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So 
Let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray for a moment. Uh, and again, as we're kind of scattered in, in our different places of worship, I'm just going to give a moment of silent prayer for you. Uh, to ask that God would teach you, and then I'll lead us in a corporate prayer. Let's pray. Father, we believe it to be true that uh, as disciples of Jesus, we long for unity. We long for uh, a group of uh, believers to uh, get along with one another and love one another well and cooperate with one another and, and strive with one another to grow in Christ and to share the gospel with the world. Uh, but so often that can get derailed by, uh, by my selfishness, by perhaps uh, my narrow-mindedness or my, my self-righteousness. And so, Father, as we look at this text this morning, our temptation is always to apply it to someone else. Our temptation is always to say, I'm so glad so-and-so is hearing this sermon because, boy, do they really need it. Father, may each one of us who are part of the Green Tree family understand that the unity of Green Tree depends on us, depends on me, depends on my relationship with you. Father, may each one of us internalize this message today as your Holy Spirit applies it to our hearts and our minds. Uh, Father, we know that a unified Green Tree Community Church that's walking together in love, challenging one another, encouraging one another, strengthening one another uh, is good for our fellowship, but it's also a witness to this world. And so, Lord, we pray that you would grow us in our unity. We pray that you would use this text uh, this morning to that end. Uh, Father, I confess my sin again to you. I pray that you would uh, forgive me and that my sin would not hinder your word today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon in a sentence this morning is this, humble service built on the gospel of Jesus Christ causes the church to thrive and the culture to flourish. Humble service, which is what Paul's going to be teaching about this morning, that's built on the gospel of Jesus Christ causes the church to thrive and the culture in that church to flourish. Uh, I believe we're going to discover this through three observations in this text. The first thing we're going to consider is Paul setting the tone. What, what's kind of the general tone that should be alive and well in any given congregation? Secondly, does the congregation, do we collectively understand the objective that is before us? And thirdly, are we going to cooperate with that plan? So first, setting the tone in verses 5 through 8, I believe Paul does a masterful job of helping folks uh, have a proper tone. The first thing he says in verse 5, is this. He identifies himself and Apollos, but he says, what is Paul, uh, or excuse me, what is Apollos, what is Paul, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each one? So we'll, we'll come back to the Lord in just a minute, but notice Paul's attitude about himself and about Apollos. He could have said, we're great teachers. He could have said, men that are worthy of your respect and your loyalty. He could have said, men commissioned by Jesus and sent by God. He could have spoken 
in very lofty terms about himself and about Apollos, but he doesn't. He takes a very different tack. He says, we're servants. We're those who come uh, to care for others before caring for ourselves. Much as Jesus said, the Son of Man, talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many. Do you and I see ourselves this morning as servants of Christ, and in particular as servants of Christ by serving those around us at Green Tree Community Church? We are at Green Tree Community Church, just as Paul and Apollos were caring for the Corinthians, because that's how God set it up. Look again at verse 5, uh, whom you believed as the Lord has assigned. But also look at verses 6 and 7. He's talking, he's using a farming illustration. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Uh, and he says, repeats it again in verse 7. He says that the guy who plants, the guy who waters, they're not all that important, but the one who's important is God who gives the growth. Do we understand that God's called us together collectively just as He has intended? And that our uh, tone in our congregation, the atmosphere with which we engage with one another, ought to be one resting in the fact that God has brought us together. That He's created us for this moment and this time, and He's created us to be part of this congregation, knowing that the Lord is in control uh, ought to bring a, a desire and a longing in our hearts to be part of uh, a unifying effort within our congregation. And then Paul also identifies himself uh, and Apollos, you know, these guys who, who really are leaders, uh, as partners. Look at verse 8 and 9. He who plants and he who waters are one. Uh, we're, we're after the same thing. We're, at, we're after a, a healthy crop, so to speak. And each one will receive his wages according to his labors, for we are God's fellow workers. So Paul identifies himself and Paulus, and I think by doing so, calls us to identify ourselves in a very similar fashion as we seek to, to be in a congregation that thrives and has a culture of, of unity and love, that, that we are servants. And that we're servants because God set it up that way, that this is God's intention. He's the one who's giving the growth, and therefore we are partners together. So does humble service identify your life at Green Tree Community Church? Does humble service identify my life at Green Tree Community Church? Do we consider ourselves as partners? Are we seeking to uh, build and grow authentic friendships where, where there's less infighting and there's more self-reflection? and less self-righteousness. There's more patient with, uh, patience with others and longing for others to grow in their faith. In other words, is, is God's tone, is this godly tone part of my life, part of your life, and collectively part of the life of Green Tree Community Church? If, if we get the tone right most of the time, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to fall short. We're going to make mistakes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get selfish from time to time. I'm going to be arrogant from time to time. I'm going to slip up. You're going to slip up. But if we're longing for that and we're striving for that, we believe that God's uh, tone for Green Tree will be one that is uh, moving us in a direction uh, that grows the kingdom of God and builds unity within this body. Secondly, not only does Paul set the tone, but he wants to make sure we understand the objective. We're not after unity just for the sake 
of unity. We're actually building on something. And the way he puts it here, first of all, is in terms of the farmer, right? So in verse 6 and 7, God gave the growth, right? It is God who gives the growth. We're fellow workers for you in God's field. So unity is not just for the sake of unity, but it's unity in order that there would be uh, a healthy growth, a healthy crop at the end of the year. Uh, Some of you know this, in uh, mid-July, uh, I just got a hankering for some Iowa corn. Uh, Iowa sweet corn, some of the best corn in the world. And so I, uh, I did a little research, little research and uh, I hopped in Cindy's truck. She was over in Hawaii visiting with Katie, our daughter and her family. And I drove to Iowa one afternoon and I drove to a corn stand uh, and I loaded up with about 200 ears of corn and then it was pretty late in the day. So I spent the night in Iowa and then I turned around and I, and I drove back home. But when I got to the corn stand, I asked the young lady who was at the, at the corn stand on the side of the road, how's the corn? And she said, well, I haven't tasted yesterday's. And I was just thinking, how's the corn in general this year? But what she was telling me was that I was buying corn that was on the stalk yesterday. And she hadn't had a chance to taste it yet, but it was pretty good. And I got it home and it was amazing. And I shared some with, with friends uh, and they enjoyed it as well because the goal of the Iowa sweet corn farmer is a great crop. And we need to understand the objective. God's objective is that His church would feed a spiritually starving world. Look at, look at verse 9, right? You are God's building, okay? You are, you are being used by God. Uh, we're fellow workers. Uh, we're, we're there in order to see the kingdom of God grow and be established. And we're to go out from our fellowship in a way that brings the gospel to the world. We're not just sitting back waiting for folks to come to us. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we're called uh, to be together collectively, but then we're called to be scattered and to make an influence in our community. We all know how frustrating COVID has been this year. We all know how hard it has been to to kind of lock it down and to uh, have to withdraw from the community that we enjoy with one another. But I don't know if you remember this, but back on Easter Sunday, back in, in April, when we couldn't be together, but the COVID pandemic was really taking shape, we were starting to kind of see it for what it was. And we asked the congregation of Green Tree to be generous. We asked the congregation of Green Tree to provide financially because we knew there would be many among us and many in our community and in the surrounding areas that would need our help. And we had already an account of about uh, $30,000 total. And I remember praying before the service, Lord, wouldn't it be amazing if we could double that? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could get close to, to $60,000? That would be phenomenal. It would go a long way into helping folks right here at Green Tree and folks in our backyard as we seek to take the gospel out to the community. And where we ended up uh, when all the dust had settled and that offering had been brought in, we had $90,000. We had two times what, three times what we had started with in the bank, and that offering continues to be used to this day. You're going to hear some stories later in the fall about how people inside Green Tree, but also people outside of Green Tree in our community and our surrounding neighborhoods have been blessed with that. Why? Because God's called us to feed a spiritually starving world, and we're to go out into our community, and we're to do that, but we're also to be a place of genuine worship. That's part of the objective. You are the temple. You're God's building. You belong to God as His temple. 
Uh, Paul's very clear about this, that we're called to when we come together, which we're beginning to be able to do now on Saturday, Saturday evenings in September. The weather's been good so far. We're beginning to be able to come back together. A lot of people are coming together in their homes, which is wonderful. A lot of our community groups are, are gathering, you know, sitting outside in the yards of social distancing, but we're beginning to come back together. But part of the reason we come together is to offer a genuine worship so that when we welcome people in, they will see that God is part of our fellowship. In chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, but if all prophesy or if all speak about Jesus, if all talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what Paul's saying there, and an unbeliever, an outsider enters, what happens when he hears this gospel? If it's genuine, he's convinced. Um, if all prophesy, an unbeliever, an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What, what Paul is saying there is that we, as we feed the world, uh, as visitors come, as people that don't know Jesus engage with us and they experience worship, God's going to do His work through us and the unity that He creates among us is going to lead people to put their faith and their trust in Christ. I was talking to a friend recently, and it's a friend that, I, that I've known. They've been at Green Tree for about 10 or 12 years. And we were having a very casual conversation, not about anything in particular, but somehow we got on the topic of when he first came to Green Tree. And one of the things he said to me in the middle of the conversation was, you know, you were preaching that one sermon on uh, X topic, and I, and I don't even remember exactly what the topic was. He said, you know, that was the day I became a Christian. And then after I became a Christian at that sermon, and he goes on, and I'm like, whoa, 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 time out, back up. What did you just say? And he said, the, the Sunday that you preached that sermon when I became a Christian. And I said, you've waited 12 years to tell me this? Uh, you ever think that might be a little encouraging for me to, for me to hear that, that folks who come into our fellowship are coming to Christ through the, through the ministry of God's Word. And I kind of teased him a little bit, but the point is this. The objective of the church, which includes our unity, brothers and sisters, includes our loving one another well and, and our cooperating and strengthening one another, that is a witness for people to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul wants to make sure not only do we have a right tone, but he wants to make sure that we understand the objective. And then thirdly, he wants to make sure that we understand the challenge that we have to cooperate with God's plan. Uh, the first part of this is found in verse 16 and 17, what I'm going to call submitting uh, to new ownership. Verse 16 says this, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Uh, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Notice how Paul words this. We belong to God. We're his temple, but he is the one who, who owns the temple. Uh, Paul's very clear that we cooperate with God's plan for this temple, for this kingdom, because we belong to him. Because he's the one who's actually calling the shots. My temptation, I'll speak about my temptation. I don't know if it's yours, but my temptation is to cooperate with the plan right up until the point where I don't like it. <laughs> right up until the point where I disagree and I say, I'm not sure that that's a plan that I would like to follow. 
then I go my own way. But when I do that, when I, when I give into that temptation, what I'm actually doing is ignoring God's place in my life. Paul reinforces this in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. He says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, I picked that verse to reinforce for, for one particular reason. In chapter 3, when Paul says, you are God's temple, he's talking about the you collectively. He's talking about everybody together. All y'all is how they would say it in the South. They used to live in the South. They say, all y'all are part of this. Everybody at Green Tree. But in chapter 6, it's individually. So it's not the one's right and one's wrong, that they're both true at the same time. Individually, I belong to Jesus. But corporately, I belong to Jesus as well. And I, and, I, and I don't have the opportunity for just independence and doing what I want to do. That's what got me in trouble in the first place. That's what moved me away from Christ. And so Paul says we need to have a cooperative spirit. We need to know that we belong to God. And, and the way he said in chapter 6, don't you know you were bought with a price? What was that price? That price was Jesus shed blood on the cross. That price was the death of the Son of God, suffering the condemnation and the judgment of God in our place so that we could be saved through that gift. Paul says, remember the price. Your owner loves you dearly. He gave everything he had. Everything precious in his relationship with his son was given so that Tom Ricks, so the people of Green Street Community Church, people of Kirkwood, St. Louis, and beyond could have eternal life. We belong to him, and therefore, in verse 17, we can trust in his care. This is kind of a strong statement. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. God's not leaving us alone. God didn't say to Green Tree Community Church, the Christians at Green Tree, boy, I hope you make it to heaven okay. Uh, I got you saved. I'll, you know, I'll see you when you die. The Spirit of God is dwelling within us, and God is caring for us, which allows us to trust and cooperate with the plan, which helps us reject the old reality. In verses 18 through 20, this old way of thinking, which again, remember, is kind of a combination of arrogance and selfishness. It's the notion that, that I can kind of figure this out for myself, uh, and I'm the final authority. Paul says, don't be deceived. If you think you're wise in this age or by the standards of this world, uh, you need to become a fool in order to become wise, for the wisdom of this world is folly with God. It's nonsense with God. And then he quotes the Old Testament, for it is written, he catches the wise and their craftiness. And again, the, no, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they're futile. We need to reject the old reality. And this is on a daily basis. The old reality pops up moment by moment, almost second by second, time and time again. And I'm tempted to go back to the old way of thinking of things, which is arrogance and a selfishness. It's me first. And I've already done that several times this week. I'll give you just one simple example. I was coming back to church the other day, and I'm driving down the street, and, and I go into the railroad crossing just a little bit east of our building, and you kind of make a quick left and immediate right. And as I made my left, I hit the blinker on the car in order to, to show that I was turning right because there's cars typically waiting there, and there was a car waiting there that will pull out if they see that you're going to turn and that it's safe to go. I thought I hit the blinker, and the blinker didn't go on. And I had my window down because it was a nice day, and the person coming the other way had their window down because they were coming the nice, it was a nice day. And they shouted at me, couldn't you use your blinker? 
and I shouted a greeting back. That can't be repeated in church. <laughs> I just became arrogant, became selfish at the drop of a hat. Brother and sisters, if I do that with a stranger, I'm probably going to be tempted to do it with you. And you're going to be tempted to do it with me. And Paul says this, this old reality has got to be an intentional, an intentional, thoughtful, prayerful decision I make moment by moment by day. I'm pretty sure my greeting wasn't very helpful to that person. I could have said, sorry, I missed it. And even that would have, would have been better than what I said. We need to reject the old reality. The old reality is a man-centered solution. Look at chapter 21, or verse 21, just the, the first part of verse 21. It's a very short phrase. Let no one boast in men. Let no one boast in men. The notion is that the man, or, the, or humanity, not man, men and women, uh, in this case, just happens to be men mentioned, but women as well. Uh, women are mentioned all over the New Testament. That that humanity-centered solutions are possible. That ultimately, that that mankind uh, can find the solutions. And when we even stop and think about that a little bit, we realize how silly that is. We have thousands of years of human history to observe and to consider, and for some reason, we still get so wound up about an election that's coming up in, a, in, a, in about a month and a half as if that's election and the outcome of that election is actually going to save all of us and cure all of our problems or all of us are going to be lost and the problems are just going to be infinitely worse. Brothers and sisters, whoever wins or loses this election, I'm not saying don't go vote. I just put on my webpage the other day, hey, it's National uh, Register to Vote Day. Go register to vote. That's our responsibility. But to put that much weight on a man-centered solution is just goes against what Scripture says. We're called to reject the old reality. Do I, do I care more about somebody spending eternity in heaven than I do about whether my person wins an election? Uh, that's a fair question to ask a lot of us as Christians. It seems that we've gotten that backwards. So we need to reject the old reality and we need to embrace the new if we're going to cooperate with the plan. What does embracing the new look like? Well, it, 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 it's foolishness to uh, the people around us. In chapter 1, verses 20 through 25, it says this, Where then is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Jews demand sign, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block for Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God stronger than men. If we're going to embrace this new reality, it begins at the cross of Christ, which to many will seem like sheer idiocy, the, the height of foolishness but we know it is the wisdom of God for salvation. And when we embrace the cross, we embrace that humble, serving tone and attitude that can create unity and grow our love for one another so completely. And then ultimately, we also understand that, that uh, this new reality creates a new belonging, the very last part of chapter 3. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world 
or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. Why? Because you are Christ and Christ is God's. You belong to the Lord Jesus. I belong to the Lord Jesus through faith. And He calls us to seek the unity of His church, to grow and thrive in a culture that flourishes, not because we've got the best ministry plans in the world, not because we have the most excellent staff or the, the, the greatest elders ever, but because we're allowing the Spirit of God to draw us together. Even with all of our differences, even with all the things that maybe rankle us about one another, we understand that humility and care for one another, serving one another, that comes from my relationship with Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, will cause us to thrive and our culture to flourish. So let's talk application for a second and we'll be done. Let's come back to application about tone. Uh, do a self-Q&A today or do a self-Q&A this week and ask the question about, about myself. Am I exercising humble service at Green Tree Community Church? Uh, am I putting myself in a place that says, I'm one who's called to serve. I'm one who's called to care for this congregation. I'm not called to sit on the sidelines. I'm not called to be a consumer. There are no, no such thing as consumers within the church of Jesus Christ. They're only humble servants or those that, that struggle with, with humble service. And I can be one of those people that struggle with it. But if, if I'm not seeing myself for who I am in Christ, which brings humility, and then doing what the Lord Jesus did, following Him into service, then I'm not helping create that culture that He desires for Green Tree. Secondly, under the notion of understanding the objective, am I intentionally engaging with unbelievers? Am I, am I whether it's in my family, whether it's in the, my classroom at school or my virtual classroom at school, however that's going these days, my, my business, my partnerships in the work world, uh, my neighborhood, am I engaging with unbelievers for the cause of Christ? wanting to be able to share the good news of his gospel. It's the second good question to ask. And then under cooperating with his plan, I want to invite you to read a passage of Scripture this week. I want to invite you to read Isaiah 40. Uh, if I didn't uh, have only about a minute and a half left in the, my sermon time this morning, I'd read that entire chapter to you. It is absolutely astounding how Isaiah in chapter 40 outlines the glory of God and the smallness of man, mankind humanity. And I would encourage you to read that when you struggle with trusting God, cooperating with His plan, putting your intentions on the back burner and His glory on the front burner, just as I do every day. I'd encourage you, maybe every day this week, read Isaiah 40. Because we do live in a new reality because of the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus. And we want to strive for that unity in order that it would permeate our culture here at Green Tree Community Church and would cause us to thrive in the Lord Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning that, that Paul, not only uh, in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, uh, calls the Corinthians to stop doing something, he also calls them to a positive outcome. He draws up the plan, says here's what it looks like to create unity in this new reality and following the Lord Jesus collectively as a group of people. Lord, the Corinthians were just as, as different and struggled just as much as we do. Uh, we look an awful lot like them and they look an awful lot like us. When we get to heaven and meet some of them, we'll have a, a ton of things in common. But Lord, what we have in common with all of your church is that there needs to be a tone of humility within the body of Christ. We need to understand that the objective is to grow the kingdom of God to share the gospel 
with others and doing that not only what we say, but how we live together, what our dynamic here in our relationships with one another speaks to the unity of God and His glory. And then thirdly, Lord, it, it, it means us cooperating not with a plan we've created, but with your plan, with your plan that redeems us, that saves us, that tells us we can trust in you, that moves us away from the old reality and to embrace the new reality. So Father, I, I know our hearts want to be unified as a congregation. I know that we long for your uh, spirit to direct us. But Father, I pray that we would make that personal. I pray that I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't be looking at my spouse or my friend or or, or another family member uh, hoping they get the sermon, but that I would be asking, Lord, am I building unity? Am I, am I being humble and serving at Green Tree, uh, doing my part of that through the gospel of Lord Jesus because He saved me uh, in order for this spiritual family to thrive and to grow? Lord Jesus, cause us uh, to grow in our unity in Your name, for Your sake, for Your kingdom, for our good. And we pray in Your name.